All right, so let's go ahead and get started here. All right, are you ready? Yeah, totally ready. <laughs> Born ready. Episode 206. <laughs> Welcome to the Biz Women Rock Podcast. I'm your host, Katie Kremitzos. This podcast was created so that you would have direct access to the true stories of what it's like being a businesswoman, the real true journey of very savvy, very smart businesswomen. If you love these stories, then make sure you go to bizwomenrock.com and opt in so that you can get updated on all the latest podcast interviews, as well as how you can become a more active part of the whole Biz Women Rock community, which kind of rocks. So go to bizwomenrock.com. Are you ready? No, I mean, are you really ready to hear today's guest? Because in order to truly listen to this interview, you have to be in a place that you can expend some energy. You have to be in your car where you can move your hands or uh, you got to, you know, be at your desk where you can jump up and down. I don't know. You got to be ready because this girl brings it. And man, does she got a lot of energy. She's awesome. This is Heidi Krupp. She uh, created Krupp Communications 18 years ago, and uh, she's a PR firm. Um, Here's a couple of just cool, fun statistics that you're going to hear. Number one, she is the PR engine behind Tony Robbins. So if you have any recollection this past year, Tony Robbins launched his financial book. Uh, The reason that you know about it, and perhaps you've read it, I hope you did because it was a phenomenal one, is because of this woman's firm. Uh, Yeah, she's awesome. (laughs) And she goes into, actually, um, we didn't get into uh, this particular book and kind of her relationship with Tony, but we did it in like the after talk, um, after we were done recording. So I put that at the very, very end as like a special little treat. So just listen for after the music and the outro and all that stuff plays, there's a little kind of secret conversation that I'm putting in this at the very end where she goes into explaining kind of a cool little Tony Robbins story, okay? Now, she's also the PR firm behind Weight Watchers, Donna Karen, she's worked with Jillian Michaels, uh, Diamond Dallas Page and his yoga, uh, Tori Johnson. Um, I mean, the list goes on and on. If you know, if you ever have heard that Oprah went to Tony Robbins and see it to go see what it was all about, and obviously Oprah made a big thing about that. She's the reason why that even happened. So, um, so she's got a little experience. <laughs> and in this interview, she is so wonderful and gracious and goes into how she's built her company, kind of what PR firms are all about, how they structure uh, income, how she has grown over all these years as a leader, which was very interesting, and how she has continued to stay sharp and ahead of things as the leader of her company. So, man, let's get, I'm so excited for you to listen to this one. Let's get into it with Heidi. Heidi, what's going on, girl? Thank you so much for being on the show with me today. Oh, thank you. I'm, everything's going great now that I'm talking to you. Rock, rock star. <laughs> So I got to say, like, I feel I'm I feel really restrained right now, because if I stand up, I'm not going to be close to my mic. But it, I feel like I need to be walking around during this interview with you because <laughs> there's so much energy coming on your end. <laughs> coming from both ends. Are you kidding? 
Imagine if anyone gave us caffeine. I think we'd have a very serious problem on our hands. I told Heidi, I was like, my my goal is to make it feel like we're just sitting at a, at a cafe, but because I'm pregnant, non-caffeinated, she goes, girl, it, th- neither of us could have caffeine. We would like pound out the world. <laughs> so true. So true. Um, so thank you so much for being here. You know, I, I have created this platform because I really want a space to be able to tell the real stories about what it's like being a businesswoman. And when I come across stories of women who just have had um, just a really interesting way to have gotten into business and a really interesting journey thus far, I just I clamp onto them. And so I was like, oh, my God, I need to share this girl's story. So um, so let's start at the best place to start. Let's start at the beginning. How how did you what were you doing right before you started Krupp Communications? Oh, wow. Right before. So right before I had just um, exited Working at ABC News 2020, um, I had had several jobs right after I graduated from college, and I had this incredible opportunity to become the publicist for Barbara Walters and the show at 2020, which was amazing. And I had I'd left there because I had decided that I wanted to be a publicist, not a producer. And I went and I worked for a PR firm, a large PR firm in New York City that had specialized in books and um, and some brands, and when I was there, I was there a week, and I, you know, had been given a book to work on, and it, um, and, I, and I knew that I could think about getting it on the Oprah show, and I could really figure out how to do that, and I did, and all the people around me were like, well, how'd she do that? Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, wow, I've never been at a PR firm. How do they not know how? You know, it was like one of those, like, how did I do that, which was great, and I felt that that was very you know, they were very um, generous and appreciative and complimentary to the skill that I had. But for me, I just didn't quite understand. Like, to me, it just came so natural. To them, it was like not anything they had ever done before or some of the people that I'd worked with hadn't done before. And you're and sitting here thinking, like, that's what a PR firm is supposed to do. Of course you should do it. Well, right. You right. know, so I didn't know, what I, you know, I didn't know what I didn't know. And I didn't want to be presumptuous to think that I, I knew more than anyone else did because I never. That's just not the place I go to. It was more of what, what am I doing different or what can I do to grow here? And then it was incredible. I had this, um, when I was at 2020, I worked for... Catherine Cryer, who um, was like the youngest judge in Texas, and she was a correspondent, the first host of CNN when CNN just started, and then she was at ABC 2020, and her best friend was a literary agent, and her name is Jan Miller, and when Catherine was getting married, Jan was her maid of honor at her wedding, and I was still um, at 2020 at the time, and Jan had a party for her, and Jan had said to me, you know, you really should come work for me. I represent people like Tony Robbins and Stephen Covey and all these people and all these books. And I said, well, but I work at ABC News 2020 and I don't read books. I mean, it was so funny. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I mean, I don't even know who these people are. And she got such a kick out of me and she was great. And I was so enamored by her. I mean, she had such energy and such leadership and poise and was so smart and just had an incredible way about her with people and the time that I spent with her during, you know, getting Catherine ready for her wedding and the parties. And I thought, wow, if I could be like her one day, that'd be amazing. And so fast forward, I make this decision to leave 2020 and go to this PR firm that does books. And one of the books I open says in the front to my agent, Jan Miller. So I call Catherine Cryer and I say, 
could this be the same Jan Miller? And within moments, my phone rings at my desk. Wow. And she says, Heidi, it's Jan. I said, oh, my gosh. <laughs> and I hadn't talked to her, you know, in like a year or, you know, or so. And she says, remember when I told you I wanted you to come work for me? Well, now you're going to be on your own, but come meet me. I'd love to meet you and talk about what you're doing. And, and let's see if, you know, maybe you do this yourself. Wow. And she became my fairy mentor godmother. I mean, literally, um, I am probably one of the luckiest people on the planet that I got to meet and connect with her at a time in my life when I just, I wasn't, I didn't know that I would do this ever. And she just had a lot of belief and trust and faith and thought for me to do so. And she gave me all that energy and confidence to do it. And I just went for it and never even looked back. Wow. That's incredibly like special because that's not something that every brand new business owner really gets to have access to or stumbles upon um, or is even aware of that's out there is that there are so many other business women out there who are farther ahead in their game. They've been doing this for a while who are so ready to have you know, to help other people to like, you know, reach down and say, come on, girl, you can keep on doing this. Let's go. She must have been instrumental in the beginning. Oh, she was very instrumental in the beginning. I mean, so much so. So, you know, she told me what I needed to do. She said, listen, I started my business in Texas. Her company is Dupree Miller and Associates. She's an incredible, I mean, she is the leading literary agent in the world. Um, And she said to me, all you need is $5,000 cash. I was like, well, that's easy for you to say. Uh, you know, my dad drives a taxi and my mother works in a clothing store. My dad, God bless him, 82, is still driving a cab. Wow. And my mother is still working in her clothing store at 76. And so I said, but I, you know, I'm $8,000 in debt. I don't have $5,000 cash. I don't know how I'm going to do this. And, I, and what do I need the money for? And she's like, well, it's just you need that. You, that's just what you need to start. Like, she didn't even really get into it with me of, like, what I would do with it. But it was just a number that she gave. And so I, you know, as life has it, and I think, like, for all of the people that are listening and if I could give advice, I mean, for me, you know, you start, you have to start to dream about it and think about it. A, is this something you really want to do? And if you do, see what's possible. So one of my very uh, dear friends that was... Um, getting married. I'm still very good friends with all my friends that I grew up with from Pittsburgh. And her name's Pam Aronson. At the time, she was now she's Pam Shapiro. She was getting married. And all of our girlfriends went to Florida and sat down together to kind of, I told them, look, I, I, I met this woman and she wants me to start a business. And could I do it? And they were like, yes, we've always believed that you, mm. you know, you've always been th- someone with a big personality and loves people and connects people. And they, they all thought I'd become a gossip columnist or a TV personality. Well, <laughs> yeah. in a way, PR is a little bit like that. Yeah. A little bit of a combination of both of those things. And so I, they came up with, we all came up with together, corrupt communications. We decided to spell communications with a K. So it was K2, which is the highest mountain and the fastest ski. And so, you know, we started to come up with colors. My friend Lynn um, was married to someone at the time that worked at Coca-Cola. So he was in branding and imaging, and he thought red was a power color, obviously working at Coca-Cola. He totally got that, which is great. And so um, here I was. I had a friend that was a designer that lived in my building in Hoboken that designed my logo. I had everything rolling around. I had an accountant that helped me get incorporated. I just didn't have the 5000 I was still working at that PR firm. And then I went into a store in Hoboken where I was living at the time, Hoboken, New Jersey. 
with my in-debt $8,000 self going to a store that I had no business shopping in. And this gal says to me, I love your car. And I said, oh, and it was like a 1989 Toyota Celica convertible okay. um, that I had bought when my grandmother had passed away with the insurance, with the inheritance that she had um, left for me. And I said, well, it's for sale. It's 5000 cash. <laughs> And she, Katie, I'm telling you, she, the next day called me and she's like, here's the money. Wow. And I thought, holy cow. And I took the money. I put it under my mattress. I called Jan's office and I said, I've sold my car. Now what? <laughs> and What's here that? I was. And she was like, remember that list I gave you of people that you need to meet and talk to? Here's the list, you know, let's start to talk to them. And she was smart. She, you know, she would tell me how much I should charge a month, okay. which like back in the day was like very, very little, but it was whatever it was, it was a great way to start. So, you know, for me, I felt like I was proving myself to Jan and proving myself to these people. And I don't think I really in the beginning looked or felt like I was working for myself or had a business. I think I just started to flourish and be so passionate because I loved what I was doing. Right. Um, so in the, in the very beginning, I know it, you had a lot of guidance from Jan, but what, what kind of things were you doing to fill your pipeline with potential clients? Because it's one thing to now have all this stuff ready and to now have this $5,000 of cash in, under your mattress. But now what'd you do? Like, how did you actually secure clients? So here's the interesting thing. And I could tell you, I'm going into my 18th year of business. And, um, so you do good work. And people talk about you. I mean, I'm a publicist. I do PR for other people. Now in my 18th year, I'm starting to do PR and marketing for myself. But I never have. Everything has come to me because of the results and the scope of work that we've done. It has completely all been word of mouth. I don't and have not done media for myself, really. Um, I've not had profile. I had one profile on me in the Pittsburgh Post Gazette just to make my parents happy, really, because I thought they could, <laughs> my dad drives a cab. He needed something to brag about. You uh-huh. know? I mean, so, you know, at the time, one of my clients was doing a book signing Faith Popcorn in Pittsburgh. And so, you know, I did a, they did a story on Faith and they added me to the story. And, you know, and that was great. But honestly, it's been really word of mouth. So Jan referred me to a lot of clients, and then a lot of people would see the successes, and then a lot of people just kept finding out about me and calling me, and publishers started to call me, and Catherine Cryer left ABC and went to Fox, and then she connected me to the Fox News Channel when they were first starting, and then they hired me. So it was like, it's all about relationships and building and proving and showcasing. And then I um, I started to become very friendly with a lot of people in publishing different publishers outside of Jan because people saw the work that I did for a lot of her authors and they started to refer me to people and I got this project back in, uh, let's see, 2003 called The South Beach Diet Mm -hmm. that, you know, didn't really have a big advance, wasn't really a big book. It was a book um, at Rodell and I got the book and I read it and I thought, gosh, this is a incredible book because this guy's changing the way America eats. I said, geez, he's like the accidental diet doctor. And from there, the rest really started to grow because A, Jan didn't work on that book. That was, you know, a book that I, you know, inherited and became a big brand. So Jan had always taught me that books are the vehicles to brands and the content would help you drive that. And so 
with everything that I took and did, and there were many other projects that I worked on that weren't Jan's, but we did work on a lot together too. We worked on Dr. Phil together. We worked on Jay McGraw together, you know. Um, but when South Beach happened, that changed the trajectory of the firm. I started to get more involved in consumer brands and not just books and showcasing to, you know, so many experts, thought leaders, publishers would bang down our door to want to work with us so much so that Weight Watchers called us and asked us to become their national uh, PR agency of record because we took so much lion's share away from them with our work that we did with South Beach that they wanted to get me out of that, out of the competition. So that was pretty amazing to become, you know, Weight Watchers PR firm. We did that how do you celebrate something like that? Like when you get that call from from Weight Watchers and they're like, uh, hi, we actually want to make you like our national person. What do you do to celebrate that? Like, what do you do? What's your reaction? Well, you know, when they first called, they called us about a book. So, you know, it, it was still it was exciting still to get a call from them about the book. But then they wanted us to present. And to be honest with you, I had never presented. Everything came into my lap until that point. Mm-hmm. Everything. And this was a game changer because this was a different kind of opportunity that went beyond, you know, in my opinion, like what I had done. I mean, certainly everything that I'd done in the past with Barbara Walters in 2020 and the stories and the things that I learned at the PR firm in the six short months that I was there before I started Crop, plus all the books and different things and companies that I'd worked with for the agency, I guess, led me to that point. So, you know, we did the presentation was so nerve wracking for me because I, A, I wasn't used to rehearsing. Right. I wasn't used to putting together a PowerPoint presentation or anything like that. And I had to do it and I had to go slowly, which is also not like one of my skill sets. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, and I had to not celebrate before it was time, right? So, right. you know, we did it and then they called us. And when we got the job, I was so excited. You know, it was so long ago. My gosh, what did I do to celebrate? I I, I called my parents, I think, because I love to make them proud. I probably went out and bought a pair of shoes um, (laughs) because I I had a major shoe thing when I first started with the business. I would always, you know, buy a pair of shoes or buy like a, a, a fabulous handbag or something that I wouldn't normally get for myself that was outside my comfort zone and my financial position because, you know, another one of the the things that, you know, my mentor taught me is, you know, show up like it and it will come. I mean, she used to tell me, go have breakfast at the St. Regis Hotel and invite people to have breakfast there. And I'd be like, my gosh, it's $100 for breakfast. I was 30 years old. (laughs) I mean, I wasn't making a lot of money. That was crazy, you know. She was like, just keep doing it. And honestly, she was right. It worked. Right. Right. Um, something interesting to me, like how, and this is just my ignorance on the PR industry, the business as a, as an industry, but like, what is the normal way you mentioned earlier? Like, uh, you know, that you would, uh, your mentor taught you kind of what to charge on a monthly basis. Is that, is it, are, are clients always on retainer or do you do like per project? Like how does a PR firm make their money? So that's a great question that you are not you. That is an actually great question. I think different PR firms would give you different answers. I'll give you the answer from us. I mean, it's really all about time and time resource and allocation. And oftentimes, you know, there's some people out there that charge per result. And that's probably not the right agency that you want to work with. I mean, so for us, 
we do projects that are on retainer. Um, we don't really look at it as a monthly retainer. We look at it as a scope of service. So if someone comes to us and knows what they want to do and we carve out for them what that scope is, it's easier to come up with like the minimum monthly retainer and how many people we want to allocate to the position, you know, to the job to get it done, to get them to get their results. And then, therefore, that's how we figure that out. So it's not always like one size fits all. I mean, as I've, we've grown and developed, you know, we're in year 18. I mean, in the beginning, when Jan and I first started, she would say, take on this project for 2500 a month. I mean, and that's what we did. We don't do that now. I mean, there, you know, there's a, a higher point of entry. I mean, after having 85, you know, New York Times bestsellers, you know, 70 of them being number one, and winning various awards and working with big global brands and winning awards for those, you know, it's, you, you have to, you have to be mindful of what you want to work on. But like, I still have that affinity for the up and comer, the uh, person that wants to start something that hasn't started it yet. That's looking to, you know, break through and become a thought leader or has a great new innovative idea and wants to turn that into something and get on Shark Tank and invest. So I never pass on anything directly, specifically. And we have a new business person at the firm who's been with me since I started the company, actually. And because she knows me so well, she's able to speak to me and the culture and our business. And she's able to, you know, find out from people when they call us what it is that they're looking for, what it is that they want, what their goals are. Because, again, it's never one size fits all. I mean, you, we could work on something that is, you know... $5,000 a month in our entertainment division with various, you know, entertainment celebrities like, you know, Brett Michaels and the Jacksons and Boys to Men and Mike Tyson or in our corporate, you know, we have, we're a global PR firm for a huge uh, up and coming direct sales company called Miriam. And, you know, that's like a multi-million dollar PR, ca PR campaign because, right, right. you know, we're working in Korea and Mexico and Canada and the United States and the Latin markets. And so there's so many other things that need to be done and most business people that want PR should look at you know where their business is and PR should be a percentage point of what their results and outcomes need to be to translate that into sales for themselves right right um, I want to talk a little bit about your um, kind of your transformation over the years of having this company meaning you started out pretty much doing everything yourself in your apartment and you're now leading a team of 28 people, which is absolutely necessary for being able to do the kind and handle the kind of customers that you have now. So, um, so I'd really like to know kind of lessons that you've learned in delegation and leadership, how you've been able to, to really, you know, grow and cultivate this team that stays on the same path. They, they're all focused on, you know, what the goal is, what kind of real practical things have you done along the way to be able to successfully delegate, to successfully lead your team? Oh, it's a great question. And here's the truth. I made a ton of mistakes. <laughs> I mean, I made so many mistakes and, and you know what? If anyone tells you differently, they're just not telling you the truth. Here's the truth. When you first start and it's just you and you're an independent contractor not owning the fact that you're a business owner, you're like the genius with a thousand helpers. 
So like I hadn't been in an agency really or understood how to have an agency. So if I met someone who had a great personality when I first started, I'd be like, oh, great, come here and work and I'll teach you how to do it. <laughs> you know? mm, yep. And so throughout the years, I kept cycling through these people and it was so frustrating for that to keep happening. And, and then, you know, my husband, um, we've been married now, go on our eighth year. So I've known him now 12 years. So it's been 12 years since he's been involved in just as an outsider and now an insider in helping me with the business. And he ran a factory in mainland China. He had 1,800 workers. And so for him, he knew how to delegate and he knew how to grow business. And I was really the skilled producer, the creative genius that liked PR and just loved what I did. But I wasn't really great at managing the team or training the team. I expected them to know exactly everything that I knew. And that was just so unfair to them and also to myself because really I wasn't giving them or me a chance to grow. But I didn't know that, you know. And so as you start to evolve and start to learn these these lessons, you start to just keep peeling away. So each hire, each level, each each time we grew, it's like we grew and then I shed. We grew and then I shed. And I kept continuing to up, 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 up the stakes and the people. And I kept upgrading talent. And I started to realize, you know what? I want people that are here that have been in bigger agencies that I've not been at. They can add and and give to the agency something more than I can. But with me together, we could take it to the next level. And so, you know, I could happily tell you, I mean, it's, you know, Caden, you know, my son is now, you know, four, it'll be four and a half in August. And, you know, trying to have a baby was a big, big, big undertaking for us. And when we, I knew that I was pregnant and going to have him, what I didn't want is to have a baby, which I wanted for so long, and then give up my first baby, which was this business. And, and I'll tell you, it definitely came to that point when I had him because I didn't have the right team in place. And I really didn't ask the right questions. You know, I've been very fortunate to have had another mentor and client for over 17 years in Tony Robbins. And he, you know, would say to me, you know, Heidi, you ask the wrong question, you get the wrong answer. I mean, you have to ask the right questions, you know. So the question I kept asking was, well, how, how bad could it be? So the universe shows you that, right? Mm. So my question should have been, how can I go to have, you know, go to have a baby and have things still be operating at the same level? You know, so, I mean, I think that would have been a better question. And I think that, you know, so we had to restaff, rehire. I, had to, I literally started over. I mean, wow. literally. And it wasn't, here's the good news. Clients didn't leave, but I totally restructured. And I had a lot of people here that probably were really good publicists, but they weren't being led by the leader underneath me. And, you know, I think that for me, I just was so targeted on having a kid that I that I just I let that part go away and I and it was tricky because my husband's now in the business and he was operating the business so that was very irresponsible to do for both of our lives but thank God it wasn't a big financial hardship we were able to remain flat we didn't grow that year but now we're like back in action we've been back in action ever since and and the older Kaden gets the more I keep you know getting even more infused and excited to be in the business and you offline, you know, we 
didn't really do a lot of marketing or public relations for corrupt communications because we focus on that for our clients. And I think that will remain as such. But I've got a great team of people that want to tout and promote CRUP, and I believe that it's my responsibility to do that for them and for us to continue to grow. So now I'm excited. We're starting to now, for the first time ever in the history of the company, pick clients that we want to work with and go after them and go get them. Right. right. Love that. Yeah. Um, how did how did things really like practically change or shift? I think is probably the better word I want to use when you did have your baby. Like, um, and I'm obviously I have a personal attachment to this answer, yes. but like you know, so much of what I hear, and there's so many women listening to the show who are moms and entrepreneurs, and um, or about to be moms and run their business, and there's a little bit of this fear of like, uh, okay, everyone's telling me that's going to change. I don't really want it to change. How am I going to handle all of this sort of stuff? So. You know, what were, were the real practicalities of how things really changed for you and maybe how you took ownership and, and were proactive about what you wanted it to be as your role as a mother and as the owner and leader of this company? Yeah, that, again, terrific question. I think for me, here's what I did. I was really lucky in that, um, you know, for PR, you just you need to be a, near a phone and so you could be near a phone and, and certainly I had to be in person. We, our office, we strategically moved four blocks from our office. And this way, while I was nursing, you know, the nanny would come here and I would, you know, always see my baby, you know. And, and, and because of the nature of my business, I took, yeah, I took Caden with me everywhere. In fact, I never left and traveled without him for probably the first you know, 16 months of his life. Wow. So I was able, I mean, listen, when Oprah Winfrey uh, decided to go to Tony Robbins' seminar, we had worked really hard to try to get that accomplished, to connect these two powerful leaders and thought leaders to each other, and, and we made that work. Um, I brought Caden with me. He was backstage while all the action was happening. <laughs> so I think what you have to do is you got to balance it. I mean, and honestly, I know that not everyone listening is going to be able to take their child with them. And I understand and appreciate that they're not always going to have those resources. So here's what I would say. First of all, you got to give yourself a break. And that's number one. Right. And you have to really understand that, that you are going to be pulled and you might not be in every single solitary moment. Just enjoy every moment that you are with. And when you are with your child, totally 100% focus on your child. Like we just went on a vacation for spring break. And before we left, you know, now that Caden's four, he talks. He's been talking since he's one. But now he really, you know, he talks a lot. And before we left, he said, Mommy, no computer, no typing, no phone while we're away. <laughs> and, you know, that's, that's very telling. But that's, you know, as much as that's funny, that really, it was like a knife in my heart, you know. Mm. And not because, and I don't feel guilty, but I definitely, what I felt was, wow, he knows that I'm working really hard. And one day I'll be able to explain to him why, because this is for him and for us. And I like to work because I like to change people's lives. I mean, that's what we work on. We work on things that make a difference in the world. We work with people that make a difference in the world. So like for me, I want him to learn that. So I was able to definitely disconnect because now I have a great team. So I was able to disconnect. I had this great team. They were able to support me and the agency while I was on vacation, which was terrific. 
and I didn't have to work. So I think like you have to, you know, pick your battles. You know, I don't just sit at the office until late at night. Like I was a workaholic. I would be working nonstop until 10, 11 o'clock at night. Now, like I had, I had to go home because I wanted to. I wanted to go see my son. I wanted to be with my husband. I mean, I think even adding a husband to the mix for those that don't have kids, that's another thing. You know, right. you got to really, you got to find the time that's going to be your private time and then your work time and find the balance. And here's the truth. It's a work in process. I still am doing it. I think what I've learned is when I walk away, the world doesn't fall apart because right. now I rely on and delegate and have a team and have a managing director and have a media director and other great people here and a terrific team of really passionate, excited people that want to just serve and do great work here and a kick-ass assistant that allows me to have the freedom to, you know, be able to balance it all. I mean, my son showed up at the office just about an hour and a half ago and just popped in just to give me a hug and a kiss from a play date, and I was no, able to no. walk him outside and get him a snack and walk him home and walk back to be on the phone with you. So how cool is that? That's awesome. I love that. And I think that that's what I love so much about entrepreneurialism is that I really do believe that you can create what you get to design your life. Like, obviously, you have the power to do that no matter who you are, what you do. But especially as an entrepreneur, I mean, you've created this vehicle that is your passion, that is your business, and you get to be the one deciding what that looks like. So that's that's pretty amazing. Um, okay, so fun little question. You have worked with a lot of different celebrities uh, over these years and done a lot of different work for a lot of different celebrities. Who's been one of your favorites to work with and why? Ah, wow. Um that's a tough one. I mean, there are so many. I have been so blessed. I mean, I learned from so many terrific, terrific people. I mean, I've learned from, I've learned from CEOs, former. I learned from the former CEO of Charles Schwab, Dave Patrick. Recently, I met him in June, and we launched his book in October. And boy, that was such an incredible client because it was in it was in a new great time for me because his book was all about stacking the deck it was all about leadership and change and it was right at the right time for me to be thinking about how am I going to take crap to the next level mm -hmm. and so he challenged me to do that so like I would I don't know that I'd have one I think I'd probably give you a lot of them like what that have helped me in different aspects of my life you know I mean for sure I adore love am honored, cherished, and just incredibly grateful to work with Tony Robbins. I mean, mm -hmm. obviously, you know, he's a friend, he's a client, he's amazing, he changes people's lives, I get to be a part of that, I get to feel like I'm, you know, serving life's purposes and helping make a difference in people's lives and sharing his messaging with the world that I know really does create, you know, great movement. You know, I'm working with this... Um, incredible entrepreneur Jeff Olson who is the owner and founder of Nerium which is this global skincare line which is amazing and you know he was a beach bum turned millionaire and he's been helping <laughs> others become million millionaires since and he is the most down-to-earth appreciative incredible guy like I was with him last weekend in San Jose at his conference for Nerium that had, you know, 17,000 of their brand partners and Justin wow. Timber Justin Timberlake's mother is one of the brand partners and and you know Jeff never forgets 
to thank us for what we've done. I mean, he called me today out of the blue to say, gosh, thank you so much. That article that just came on People Magazine about the business is extraordinary. Keep knocking them out of the park. We really appreciate you. Wow. I mean, very like, cool. you don't want to stop, do, you know, doing that. So it's like we work with Live Happy Magazine. I mean, like, I'm I'm so lucky. I mean, I get to work on things that, that actually I believe in and I'm excited about. Right. Right. Um, I want to kind of end the conversation with this, Heidi, because I think it's a really good one. So, you know, you've been very honest about the fact that you're a work in progress, which we all are when it comes to, you know, being the leaders of our companies, being the leaders of our lives. But what is one thing that you actively do to make sure that you're staying sharp about your business, to make sure that you're like on top of it and, and not just getting caught up in sort of the movement of it? Like, what do you do actively to make sure you're staying ahead of things and staying sharp? Well, you have to get ahead and stay sharp. So I go to conferences, I go to learnings, I read the trade publications, I read the newspapers, I I seek out people that have done things beyond I have. Like I, you know, I I was working with a gentleman that ran Omni Media, and his name's Tom Harrison, and he would acquire PR firms. So. You know, he's now retired. He was chairman of the board there for a while. Now he's a consultant and retired. And I check in with him quarterly. And we have breakfast and lunch. And I tell him the things that we're doing. And and I think it's about innovation. I mean, you have to get ahead. So when social media and millennials were happening, it was really important to me. If all these companies and consumers are looking for information for millennials, I need a team of millennials. I need literally a millennial team that's going to be my own private focus group that's going to help me get access to the things that I need in my business. I needed a digital team. I needed to be able to build websites, build Facebook, social media channels for people. And I needed a content creation team because content is king. And the the things that Krupp does that other agencies don't is we have all of this under one umbrella. A lot of PR firms, like they specialize in one thing. You know, we specialize in a 360 degree message and brand. So for us, it's, you know, what is your message and how can we share it with the world? And we can do that by different tentacles. And I think the other thing that people look for nowadays is it's about building their business. So some clients come to us and they say, you know, we don't have, you know, this much money. We're just your startup. But would you be willing to be on our board or could we give you skin in the game? So I think you have to just be able to be flexible and move and grow to how the business is moving and growing. I mean, mm-hmm. PR is still, a, and, and it actually has become an even more vital role than advertising because who's really advertising now? Advertising is digital. Advertising is content creation. Yep. In fact, advertising and PR needs to segue together along with trends to know what the future holds. Yeah, yeah. love that, love that. Well, Heidi, I can't thank you enough so for being here on the show, for sharing about your business journey thus far. And I just um, obviously just still want to stand up and like jump around. And <laughs> uh, and I just I feel like um, I mean, there's so much potential, obviously, on how much you've grown your business thus far and where it continues to go. So just thank you so much for giving us an insight on that. 
Oh, Katie, thank you so much. And I want to hear from you. And please feel free, like, as you have questions and you're becoming a mama, if you have any questions <laughs> about that, let me know because I know a lot of different websites and companies and people because I met them along the way too that helped me. I mean, I think it's really the most important thing is to just, you got to keep, uh, we're women. We got to give back to other women and let other women know that we're abundant and the things that we learn, it's our responsibility to share those messages with the world. rock.com forward slash 206 you can get all the show notes there about Heidi including links to her website and um, of course some really smart things that she said which she said a lot of them um yeah I, I just really I seriously wasn't joking I was jumping up and down during that entire conversation and uh, she's just so grateful I think that's the thing that struck me the most like she was just a very down-to-earth grateful person which I really appreciated Um, And one little totally off the wall thing that I got out of that was that um, she called her mentors like her fairy mentor godmother. I I just love that. I thought that was so cool. Um, But it really drove home the point that um, being able to have a mentor at serious parts of your business, especially in the beginning, is vital. So many things that she did not have to go through because her mentor really gave her the roadmap on what to do and really helped her out. So loved 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 that um don't forget after this i'm putting in the little sort of post conversation that we had about uh, a really cool kind of tony robbins experience how she ended up kind of getting that account it's really really cool story so i hope you had an awesome time listening today and i can't wait to see you in the next episode Did you firewalk? Yeah. Heck yeah, girl. Come on. So when I started, I didn't tell you the story on air. So when I started the business, Jan Miller, who was the agent, she sent me to his event and that's how he became my client. And I sat in the front row in the spitting distance and (laughs) I I was like, oh my God, I'm never going to buy into this guy with the big teeth and the big hands and the whole bit and blah, blah, blah. And I just wanted no part of it. And literally by the end of the weekend, I was like, holy cow. And I made a whole list of all these things that I was going to do and I was going to meet my husband at his event and I was going to be his publicist and I was going to connect him with Oprah. Everything. I was going to have a baby. Everything that I had on my list. You did. He and I, yes. And I, we just, we just literally talk about celebration. The two of us literally just talked about that recently and it was just, and he's so the real deal. I mean, let me just tell you, I mean, the man is, he's amazing.